Hello and welcome to The Front Free. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me as always is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. And uh, of course, the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Good evening, lads. Yeah, back this week, Dave. Welcome back. Turn of the king, eh? How was it last week, <laughs> eh? Turn of the king. Are you LeBron James? <laughs> I wish, mate. I wish. We yes. didn't. Uh, we didn't actually explain where you were last week, Dave. So I don't know if you wanted to explain. I want to elaborate people. on it. Yeah, maybe just. Yeah, explain what's more important to you: football or love? They might be curious. Sorry, sorry, lads. I had, I had to make the call, didn't I? I had to go. You know, I had to go on a date. I apologise, oh, all the listeners. Oh, I'll make up to it in top stats this week. That's Dave, I, like I hope it. you're sending all the listeners flowers. And Bloody, yeah, I am, mate. I am. Special. I'm going to do it. There you go. Anyway, welcome to episode nine, everyone. Thank you once again for listening to The Front Free. If you are listening via iTunes on the podcast app, please rate the podcast from one to five and maybe even leave a little review if you're feeling generous. You know, that would be quite nice. Uh, as always, you can let us know what you think of the podcast, leave suggestions or ask us questions on Twitter at The Front Free using the number three, not the word. Uh, the tweet of the week this week has to go to Matt Devine, who said, I love the way your names spell L. AD, lad, which perfectly <laughs> sums up the podcast. Huh? If we had a guy called Paul on it, we could be the LAPD. Oh, yeah, well, well, yeah, you know, I was not quite sure. What to say. <laughs> well, I just, I, that means Los Angeles Police Department, which means it's way better than lad. Oh, which yes, which basically is a pseudonym for prick. Okay, well, you know, it can, it can mean many things, you know. Okay, which is Paul, Ricky, Ian, Carl... And Chris, <laughs> who also do a football podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. they, they don't. I was just making it up. So this week, we are mainly going to be answering your questions. Been inundated with questions. Put the tweet really? out there. Really? Weren't we? My phone was flying. Boiled. I know. I never felt so popular in my entire life. But the first question I thought would be a good one to deal with would be the team of the season 2015, posed to us by Arteta Assist. Not Premier League team, not La Liga team, all of them together. So let's okay. see how easy wow. it is to get through this. So who is the best goalkeeper in the world? We're probably mainly looking at Europe, to be honest, uh, last season. Um, all right, some, do, you, do you want some candidates? Or yes, do you just I want do. straight out our number no, one guy? Like some candidates. I think Neuer, De Gea. Neuer, yeah, Neuer, De Gea. Um, Maybe it's just those two. I'm going to give a shout out to Jan Sommer. He's been absolutely brilliant for Russia, much and glad back in the Bundesliga. So I reckon, yeah, Bundesliga definitely worth a mention. Well, Dave, who would you vote for then? I'd definitely vote for David De Gea. Though. I think he's just been phenomenal. You know, he's won us games. He beat, you know, pretty much um, won us the game at Liverpool. You know, won us the game at home against Liverpool, against Arsenal, home and away. He's just been phenomenal. The amount of points that he's probably won Man United's been insane. I reckon it's about the 30-point mark, which for a goalkeeper is a bit of a joke. But yeah, definitely David De Gea for me. Other mentions, I think... I think the two Barcelona goalkeepers are worth mentioning as well. Probably Testegen for his Champions mm-hmm. League performance, and then Cardio Bravo for having a you know brilliant clean sheet record in the in the league this season. I think they're both definitely both worth a mention. I reckon they'd only compete though if they were you know if one of them was playing in all competitions. But obviously mm-hmm. that's not the Barcelona way. So I'm going to go with De Gea. Obviously think... there was there was quite a big you know there was a big fuss over um, Neuer last year. What's made the goalkeeper so so different this season? Because it is you know that David De Gea and Neuer are two quite different goalkeepers, aren't they? Mm. I'd say so. Yeah, obviously Neuer's more of his you know keeper sweeper comes off his line. You know he sort of dominates the play with the ball, similar to De Gea in a way. De Gea's very very good with his feet, but I think De Gea's you know more of a stays on his line, makes the reaction saves makes the big saves when it counts. I think Manuel Neuer is very intimidating as a as a goalkeeper coming off. And, you know, one-on-one, Neuer is obviously, I think, better than De Gea. But they've got different strengths and I both think they're absolutely wonderful keepers. Um, I'm at a slight disadvantage because I mainly watch the Premier League, obviously. The I'm inclined to say... Season, is it? No, no, I'm, I'm inclined to say David De Gea. But, I mean, what's your vote, Lawrence? <sighs> De Gea? Let's go for De Gea. Uh, you know what? Yeah, let's go for Day. Yeah, yeah go young and uh, what about? And I think um, he deserves credit for what he did at United this season. So if we're talking centre backs next, we're looking at the likes of John Terry. Played every single game, every single minute for Chelsea, the champions last season. Gerard Piquet, another fantastic centre back last season. Any other I sort think, of standout players? Oof. Um, can we? <sighs> it's hard. I've sort of I've, with with my team. I've sort of gone a little bit different where I think uh, Chiellini's massively deserved the mention for his performance in the Champions League against Serie A. 
But I think he's probably, if, you know, if we could play him at left-back, he probably hasn't played left-back this season. He's probably going to get in there. But I'd, I'd definitely say Javier Mascarano, best, mm. one of the best centre-halves this season. I think PK and Mascarano have just won this hands down. They've been, they were absolutely phenomenal this year. So, so good. Mascarano in that final had a dodgy opening three minutes, changed his boots and was brilliant. I think, you know, he's a player that's evolved, obviously a deep-line player at Liverpool in midfield and now, now he's a centre-half. He's just brilliant. He compliments PK fantastically and I think Gerard Piquet again yet yeah, top top season best I think Gerard Piquet is the best and then Mascarano second for me but correct me if I'm wrong are we going to go for someone like Danny Alves at right back hold on guys oh. uh, hold on are we playing a traditional 4-4-2 here or are we oh, doing man, the thing of the season so where funny. we go this is way three at the back I've gone I think we should go 4-3-3 I think we could complement a lot of players in that system come on Dave you've oh. obviously thought about this come on yeah, but give, give, us your, give us your back four uh, so my back four, De Gea, and then yeah. we've got Alves on the right, <laughs> then Mascarano, PK in the middle. Yeah. And then I I just think Chiellini's got to be in my team, so I put him at left back. But then arguable, you know, good mentions. Marcelo's been phenomenal this year. Um, you know, Jordi Alba, Bernat, you know, uh, David Alba was phenomenal the first half of the year, but obviously got injured and dropped out. He probably would have been definitely in the team. But my back four then, Alves, Mascarano, PK, and uh, Chiellini. I can almost agree on that, but I feel like you've got to swap out one of P.K. Mascherano because from my thinking we're probably going to have Rakitic in there we're probably going to have Messi in there so you don't want to too overwhelmed with Barcelona so, players so drop, you know. drop Mascherano put P.K. in because P.K.'s had what you'd so who's the other a standout back? leadership the difference between P.K. last year and the difference between P.K. this year is uh, no Puyol Ooh. yeah yeah who so. if you're dropping one of them then and you've got Chiellini at left back who's your other centre back John Terry mm-hmm. now worth the mention uh, you, you know what? Yeah, I, he, I mean, just from his performances this year. Yeah, you know what? This has been a standout year for Terry. Let's put Terry in that back line. Go on. Go on then. All right, <laughs> Dave, who have you got as your free man midfield? My free man midfield. So I have the main man, Sergio Busquets holding. He's just Whoa. been absolutely fantastic. He's so good. In the Champions League final, it was so good when he got Vidal, but everyone was hating on him, like, dive in this, dive in that. But that piece of skill, go back and watch that piece of skill that he did on uh, Vidal to get the to get the yellow card for Vidal. Mm. It was brilliant. You know, he's completing more passes than any Barcelona player this season. He's really becoming the pivotal role. So for me, Busquets has got to be there holding. Going to go yeah. with my main man, Ivan Rakitic, on the right side, just because I love the guy. He's so good. He was so deserving of that Champions League final goal. You know, all the hard work he's done for Messi this season and Danny Alves covering them both. Oh, it's got to be him in there. And then my left centre-back, sorry, my left central midfielder was really difficult. There's a, a number of names that you can get in there, like Kevin De Bruyne, Iniesta, you know, maybe because Eden Hazard might not go up front in this team. Maybe Eden Hazard sitting in, you know, maybe an attacking midfielder. You know, Marilyn Fellaini's... No, I'm lying to you, sorry, guys. Cazorla. Uh, <laughs> Cazorla's been brilliant. You know, there's yeah, so many tough. top performances at central midfield. So, again, Yaya Torre, you know, has gone under the radar. He started poorly, obviously, but like the season before, he scored 20 goals. But he's really picked it up, you know, in the sort of last end of the season. James Rodriguez, another fantastic player playing Real Madrid. Mm. I think we're going to struggle at central midfield, really. <sighs> One thing we can definitely check off whilst we're here is there was another question that said something about... Has Mourinho, there you go, uh, from Tack of Zach. He said, did Mourinho make a mistake by getting rid of Kevin De Bruyne? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Um, but but he's, still, he's still doing well where he is. Mm, very well. Well enough to warrant getting in the team, Lawrence, I you think? think? Uh, if, nice if we're looking to balance it out, then it'd be nice to have yes. a Bundesliga, Bundesliga yeah. player in there, seen as which is know. weird to say because they've got buying in there and they've got a lot yeah. of good team. So if we're going for, I'm in on Rakitic. I like Rakitic. Rakitic, De Bruyne. We have Busquets. Is that too many Barcelona players we're putting in? Probably, yeah, no, you can't put Busquets in there. Oof. They won the treble. They dominated your team. True, football. it is true. In there. Maybe. What would be quite nice is if we said Pirlo, because obviously you know. Finishing off, or Chavi, you know, these two wonderful players finishing on a high Champions League final with both of them. But for me, it's got to be Busquets. Sorry, guys. What do you make of Paul Pogba, who's been in a lot of team of the seasons, both Champions League and Serie A? Do you reckon he warrants a mention? No. He warrants a mention, but the reason he warrants a mention is, is again, because of the promising factor of Mm. Paul you know, you'd say that there's been a lot of great things Paul Pogba's done. It doesn't make him a standout player, head and shoulders above the rest of the team. So who are we going for then? We've got De Bruyne, Rakitic, and that last spot. 
goes he to... He could go to Busquets. Like Dave's saying, they, they did win the treble. They've dominated Europe. They've been the best team uh, in the continent. So then, then let's represent that and put Busquets in Let's there. represent yes. Busquets' team. All right, so up front, I assume we're having Messi on the right wing, Ronaldo on the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And up front, are we looking Tevez. at someone like Suarez or Tevez? Oh, I mean, Suarez is hard to overlook. Or and Neymar's not even in this team. Exactly, that, yeah. That's the difficult, isn't it? That's... I'm probably going to have to go with Neymar. I'd probably stick Ronaldo through the middle. Have Neymar. <coughs> Apologies. Have think... Neymar on the left hand side. Yeah, I'm, I won't disagree with that. He's scored. He's got more goals and assists than Suarez, who admittedly did miss a couple of months through the ban, but that was his own fault. So yeah, I'm happy with. Uh, I'm happy with Neymar. So then, if, if that's the case. So then who, can we name a bench? Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. How many, how many subs do you get in, well, you a, get, in a regular you, game? You, the, the, the top two on there, the top three on there for me, are uh, three South Americans. It goes uh, Tevez, Suarez, Sanchez. Yeah, completely I like that. agree, I like that agree a lot. more with that. Um, and maybe a, a midfielder to fill out this bench, give us some options. Um, could you go like a Marquisio? Yeah. Very, very decent season. I think Cazorla, Robin, Hazard, maybe. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, let's go for Cazorla, shall we? Because he's not necessarily a wide, pacey midfielder. He's got a little bit more versatility to him. We can, we, yeah. you know, gives us some depth. And maybe what about um, a couple of defenders to chuck on the bench as well? Um, uh, a couple of defenders. Um, we said Mascherano. I think we'll put him in there. Yeah, because he's also he could play in central defensive midfield as well. Yeah, we've got to throw Naldo in there. He's been brilliant for Wolfsburg this season. I like that. I like that. That gives a bit more Bundesliga representation. Yeah, represent, represent. Uh, any any league and represent representation in there. See, Lacazette could probably be your only you know player. Yeah, he's but he's not going to get in over player. Suarez or Tevez on that bench. No. Is he? Listen, here's the eleven. I'll give you eleven and the subs bench. So we've got De Gea goal, Alves right back, PK and Terry partnering up at centre back, Chiellini left back. Busquets, Rakitic and De Bruyne as the midfield three. De Bruyne probably a little bit more attacking than the other two. And we've got Messi, Neymar and Ronaldo up front. Ronaldo through the middle. That is some team. And then on the bench, we've got Neuer, Mascherano, Naldo, Cazorla, Sanchez, Suarez and Tevez. I think that is a pretty good team. We did pretty well there, I think. You know what? You you could probably also name a whole team of people who are stepping out of the game this year. Oh, yeah. I like that. Let's um, not do that now, but I think yeah. that's, that is a good uh, that is a good suggestion. Um, yeah, name them in the comments below. I just I just go. love to know who, who the, you think. Yeah, I like that. So there you go, Arteta assist. There's a team of the season from us. Uh, the next question is from John Baboon. This is probably one for oh, yeah. Dave, to be honest. After a season under Louis Van Gaal, what is the philosophy he has always talked about? What exactly so, is it? <laughs> this is going to go into a bit of a, a tactical mind boggle. Um, I'm going to post a picture on Twitter um, that you're probably going to have to reference to because it is quite complicated what he talks about. Where are we supposed to see this picture, Dave? (laughs) Just describe it to us. Hold on, lads. Here we go. Here we go. Get ready. Get ready for this. Get ready. Get ready for this to drop. Picture's coming in. There you go. There's the picture. So, Lou Van Hal, his, his biggest thing about football is having a number of lines. Having a number of lines on a on a, um, on a pitch to give you know whoever's got the ball as many passing options as possible. So Louis Van Gaal loves this thing of eight lines. There's seven on the diagram. The other line is a flexible line made up by one of the central midfielders, either dropping back or you know or pushing forward and creating another line. So that's his big philosophy. It's always having one of his players, the player on the ball, having two passing options and always being available to receive it and then give it. Very, very interesting. He before got moving to Man United and being the um, being the manager of Holland, he always liked to four three three with um, an attacking midfielder and sort of two central midfielders. You know that triangle in midfield. He loves that for ball retention. You know, there's so many options there in the middle for one of those central midfielders. It's just fascinating. Offensively, we know what Louis Van Gaal does. It's all about ball circulation. When you've got the ball, keep the ball. But it's about making the right uh, decision at the right time to play that vertical pass to play it to the attacking midfielder, to play it to one of the wingers. It's all about that. It's all about keeping it going around, keep it circulating, retaining the ball and making the right decision at the right time. He likes to empower his players. It's a big thing for him, is making the players becoming leaders on the pitch, you know, decision makers. You know, the central midfielder taking really control of the game, the centre mid. You know, he, he likes that type of thing. He likes clever players. I think that's why we've seen some players drop out of Man United this season. You know, the likes of Shinji Kigawa. I think he's a very intelligent footballer. But is he smart enough to take on something, you know, Van Hal's mentality? 
Javier Hernandez, another one that's potentially dropped out for this reason of not sort of learning the game, maybe not evolving to Van Hal's standards, very, very high standards, what it is. Defensively, Van Hal always likes to have three men back. You know, we've seen this for Man United this season. They've either had three centre-backs or there's been two centre-backs with a central midfielder sitting in front. And that's how he, all like, he always likes to set up. Really interesting. Another part of his defensive um, philosophy is like about corners, about having a striker that drops deep, that creates space for players behind him. He, he talks about the big space. There's a cracking interview um, that I think a lad called Jed, what, uh, Jed Wallace, I think he's called online. Uh, sorry, Jed Davis, I think he is. I'll shoot that interview up afterwards if you want to like get more involved with this tactical thing. But I think that's about enough for me. What do you I reckon, like lads? I think you answered that more than uh, competently there for, for all of us. I, you do I, need the diagram. You uh, definitely I, I need the diagram. diagram. Let me just ask you another quick one, David, another quick additional question because yeah. it's on the same um, kind of topic there. A guy called Luke Willock, he messaged me this question on Facebook and I keep forgetting to ask, so I need to remember to ask now. He asked... Um, he wants to know why United struggled away from home last season and why United were better in the big games than they were against the, perhaps you'd say, smaller teams. I think it was, it's all about like ball retention, I think. I think, again, going back to this ball circulation stuff, Man United were really poor um, with the ball against the smaller teams. They dropped off United. They let the centre-backs have the ball. Players that you know weren't good on the ball, the likes of Small and the likes of Phil Jones that have got you know, push forward, then make a poor decision. That's easily picked off on the counter-attack. I think we struggled with, with not having a proper defensive midfielder. Michael Carrick, obviously, when he played, was fantastic. We won like 70, 72% of our games. When he didn't play, Man United won 30, I think it's 35 or 37% of their games. A massive impact. And I think that's also to do with that, how I mentioned this philosophy before, Van Aert always likes three, at the, you know, three coming back. Man United moved away from the three at the back, um, the traditional three at the back, the 3-5-2, the start of the season because it wasn't getting the results. We didn't have enough width up the pitch, another problem that we, we had. And um, we moved to this 4-3-3. And when we didn't have sort of Carrick sitting in front of the two centre-backs holding, we had issues there. And it's very easy to attack teams like that. It's very easy to break on them down the flanks. A quick change of play. You've got a man over on the other side. The likes of West Brom did that brilliantly. You know, there's other teams that have, you know, Everton did that brilliantly at home. And I think that was the problem. Poor, poor ball retention and getting hit on the counter-attack. Being too open and not having, you know, these athletic players to get up and down. Uh, you know, massive space at right back was a big issue. Valencia, the amount of times someone, you know, there was space behind Valencia for a forward to move into was ridiculous. I think that's the sort of, it's a combination of poor possession, poor positioning and then getting hit on the break. Well, there That's you what go. I'm going to go with. There you go, Luke Willock. Your, your question has been comprehensively answered there once again. Um, Lawrence, let me come to you with this question. No, uh, sorry, mate. I don't want to be on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this, is perfect for, this is perfect for you. Uh, Bay Rito said, what are England's under-21 chances of going all the way? Seeing as you were at the squad announcement the other week and you sort of, you know, you know the players and you sort of, you know what's going on. Very strong squad. Um, I think when you start every tournament, you have to say... England have to say, look, we're going there to win it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the end goal. Um, and that's part yeah, of the problem here, is that actually we're looking for longer-term development under England. Um, they do have a great team. They have a great squad. They have a very talented, excuse me, very talented front line, but I think there are mm. better systems that um, are probably going to go to this tournament. And one of them is Denmark. You know, I've spoken to a number of journalists before. Uh, Kristen, who was on last week, who's extolling the virtues of this Denmark side, just the talent, just, you know, the fact that they, they seem to be a lot further ahead or that dark horses ahead of everyone else because other people, other journalists will probably be sleeping on them right now. And what I'm wondering about is, do England have the tactical nows to face up to these other guys? Um, and, and that's it really, is that, you know, England very, very often struggle to marry the tactics with the talent i'm excited to see it I'm, I'm excited to see how they get on out there but yeah like you say it's not all about the winning necessarily it's just it's going to be exciting to see them out there um i i, I still think one one thing i definitely notice that i still don't think we've nailed how to cover england as a as a team under 21s any level mm. i don't think we've done it well enough um so it could just be better. Let's put it that way. And there's and there's more of a conversation to be had than it's because they're not good enough. <laughs> um, and it is, and that I mean even even more so when they lost them and you know then they almost lost to Slovenia. But didn't. Here's a sort of related question. Uh, Robert five nine three said, "Why are England so boring to watch?" I thought the game against uh, against Slovenia last weekend was pretty entertaining. I thought it was... because they're playing they're playing within their 
means right now um and you know i was asked earlier today what you know what's progress for england after the last world cup and there have been elements of progress in there you know the fact you're able to bring delph into that system is progress the fact you're able to bring townsend more consistent the fact sterling has been in there more consistently the fact we have a more consistent back line the fact that joe hart is less of a questionable goalkeeper now they're all positives but they're relative positives in comparison with other people in comparison with Germany in comparison with France in comparison with mm. Italy Argentina Brazil all these other guys that it's all relative so England are making small steps whilst other people seem to be making great technical strides uh, oh, love a good woman cough in the background <laughs> is that Dave or Adam I can't work it out <laughs> that, that was me okay Liam Gray was here regular listener regular regular question asker said thoughts on players being told not to showboat in games uh he's referring specifically to the, the neymar incident from a couple of weeks ago he said i think it's ridiculous he's playing his game and enjoying himself it's not disrespectful at all flair and skill are part of the game it's what, a cultural thing isn't it? what do you guys think of that, that whole it's thing a cultural thing it's not it, to him it's not well i mean it, it's technically it's a little bit disrespectful <laughs> if he was doing that in basketball <laughs> that's the thing though if he was doing that in basketball would people say the same thing I don't know. I don't really watch basketball, to be honest. I can't, I can't, I can't say. I think it's just fine, you know. If we know they were winning the game, he was trying something different, whatever. You know, if the, if the Bill Powell Bill players cared so much about it, they shouldn't be losing 3-1, you know. I think it's part and parcel. I remember a moment Ronaldo did that against Millwall in the FA Cup and got absolutely bollocked by Ryan Giggs and, you know, chilled out after that. But, you know, it's, it is gamesmanship. It's mm. probably a little bit of disrespect. But, you know, if you, if you can do it, you can do it. We'd love to see it. I know if I was playing five aside and I was losing my know five nil or something, and someone tried to flick over my head, I would I, w- I would get quite annoyed. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, you get annoyed, but then but then that that's your skill, Adam, is then to contain that, channel it, um, and say, right now, how can I do better? Yeah, but I'd sort of say the guy's taking the piss, isn't he? He's trying to be a bit, you know. There's no need for it, you know. You five nil up. Let's just relax, have some. And you don't, you don't think you react to that moment. You react in the next tackle that you have, or the next like, you know, sort of moment that you come together on the pitch. Is then, then, then that's where you react. That's really then you make that impact. That's when you should, that, yeah, that's where I show what I what I can do. You know, exactly. Smash someone off the ball. Um, <laughs> James Lee too said, "Will Theo Walcott be at Arsenal next season?" I would suggest yes. I think maybe before the FA Cup final, his future might have been a little bit more iffy, but I think he sort of showed what he can do there. And I think the fans would want him to stay as well at Arsenal. Do you think he's, he's going to leave, Lawrence? Um, ask Dave first and then I'll, and then come back. Ooh, <laughs> fair enough. Dave, what, what do you reckon? I, don't, no, I think he's going to stay. I think he likes being you know around Arsenal and that type of thing. He fits into the squad. He's a, nice, he's a different option to Giroud. You know, he runs in behind. He would have been really good this season when essentially Arsenal did lack a little bit. Was it the start of the campaign? Maybe mm. Walcott could have come in then. Um, you know, really help the likes of Alexis Sanchez sort of come into the Premier League. What, what's going to be interesting is their sort of development next season, Sanchez and Walcott. Uh, Sanchez is, um, you know, he goes on, under the radar a bit in terms of his creativity and his ability on the ball to play a pass, you know, a through ball. I think he's completed more through balls than any other Arsenal player this season. And I think that's something that could go very well with the likes of Theo Walcott, you know, absolutely rapid. And he's starting to learn how to finish as well. Lawrence? What are, you, what are you thinking? You've had your you've had your time now to think about. Well, it I mean, Dave's co- Dave's covered that very well. I still think that it comes with the mercurial factor for the, for this player. Um, I also think that it comes along with the idea that um, it, it's it's hard to see another fit when there already seems to be a great fit right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and and it, for some extent, that's why why we're paid to earn our money is to see other situations. I think I'd like to see him in another situation, but there's a very comfort- comfortable place where everyone is right now. And I just wonder if, if you leave that comfort zone, does it get better or does it get worse? I, I wonder if it actually gets better, um, and, you know, under, under someone else he flourishes. Richard B, LFC, said, who is the best at football out of the three of you? Um, I don't think I've ever seen Dave play football. Am I wrong in saying that? Um, I don't think I've played, I've played football with Lawrence before. No, yeah. he's never played football with me. Uh, Lawrence, have you played football with Dave? Uh, no, I got to admit, I did. I did play football with a group of bloggers. They probably won't resent me saying this. Um, in a charity, not not charity. No, not by a long way. But um, <laughs> the but we we were no. You know, when you kind of turn up, and you think, right? You've written all these articles. You've said all these things. 
to no, now prove it on the oh what yeah. the hell you can't even move your feet um, <laughs> so I, I, Dave said he had a good game at centre half today I'm wondering about that yeah I'm a very like when I play football it's like you know get it out or yeah, deal with it I don't have much composure on the ball but if I see a clearance an opportunity to get that ball out bang on it smash it out and that's what I try and do command leader that type of thing so I'm not the best footballer but I'm good to have a team I'm good to have a team so I don't think it's me listen next Thursday Regent's Park I think us three should go down I, I, I can't I wish I could the um, week after yeah, one of these Thursdays we've got busy. I would yeah. love to, we can we can finally answer Richard's question there once we all get on the pitch together should we film that should we make that the next front three video? oh yeah oh yeah why not right. we let the audience judge who's the best you see and I'll edit it so I can make myself look really good. Yeah, um, just like I edited you to make you look good. Yeah, that there one you go. time you scored a goal in front of Ian oh, Wright. Mate, what a goal as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good finish. Um, next question, uh, aka Juice26 says, is Hazard world class? I think he's just overhyped by the media. Uh, what do you think, Lawrence? Uh, you is know, he world class? did a preview the other day with Andy Brassel for uh, Wales, Belgium. Mm. That turned out well, um, <laughs> and uh, Brassel made a really good point, which which was that sometimes Hazard goes into gala mode, which is like you know just kind of uh, just do whatever I want, you know. And I, I think Mourinho likes that arrogance, but at the same time, at the same time, it's something he has to harness, mm. and they've not quite found that balance yet. Um, but he's in the process of finding that. You know, you would say similar about Ronaldo a couple of years ago. It's that, you know, people say, oh, he's lazy or this, or, you know, he takes too many shots or he does too many of these things. And he's focused his game over time. And I just think his, his Hazard, uh, you know, we're not always seeing someone in their finished form. I think it's a, yeah, of course. It's how, a process. Well, how, and we're probably seeing someone who's, who's on, on the scale of world class because of his technical ability, because of the teams he plays. Is that a 23? 23, I think, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this um, in that sense, that 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 leaves him, you know, parallel with the likes of uh, yeah, he's twenty four. Leaves him parallel with the likes of Ronaldo at this point. Uh, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Eden Hazard has purple patches. So I feel like he's uh, not. I'm he's... I'm going to say completely no. He's definitely world class. He's not overhyped. He's the best player in the Premier League. The stats just back it up here. I'm going to go into stat mode, right? Okay. So he scored the this most like, goals this, this from midfield. In the Premier League, he's created the most chances, he's completed the most take-ons, and he's completed the most passes in the final third. This season, Frieden Hazard's where he really comes as, you know, he is this player now. He's this mercurial player that's brilliant. That gets on the ball, that creates things, that makes things happen. You look at his stats, they're very Lionel Messi-like, which is strange. You look at his passing stats, they're very Messi-like. Take-on stats, very Messi-like. Chances created, very Messi-like. The only stat that he needs to work on is his goals. You know, mm. if he starts getting to that level of, you know, the 40-goal mark, the 30-goal mark, the 20-goal mark, that's when we're like, yes, he, he, he's up to the, the Messi and Ronaldo standard. At the moment, he's not, but 100% he's world-class. You, you're saying a world-class player, and it's, you're not including Nazar. I think that's a bit of a mistake. I think that he's definitely, definitely world-class. There you go. There you have it. Um, next question. Finbar McMahon said, greatest centre-back partnerships ever? Which is a Ooh, pretty broad question. Uh, Vidic, oh. Ferdinand, yes. um, King, Dawson, you know. <laughs> who's sat, I mean, who's been at Stat? Who's not alongside Jack Stam at United? Is it Ronnie Johnson? Oh. Okay, so not that. Immediately but, discounted. Uh, oh, um, Nesta Maldini. Yeah, that's got to be there. Vidic, really Vidic Ferdinand, Dave, I thought you would have. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think Vidic Ferdinand's definitely up there. I've got a quite, I've just, uh, whilst we were chatting there, I've just jotted some down. You know, Vidic Ferdinand's obviously won. PK Poyola, that massive, you know, the Barcelona team. PK Mascherano was raving about that before. Malvini Nesta, definitely lost, 100%. Jerome yeah. Boateng and Matt Hummels from the World Cup, I think they were phenomenal. Wow. And then my last one, PK and Sergio Ramos for Spain. I think they're definitely the, you know, the greatest pairings. I think, I uh, see, I think that's good, but I, I kind of want to see it all over. I want to see it for a whole season, you know. I want to see, um, I'm trying to think of who I want to see do it now. I mean, that's why I like Maldini and Esther is that, you know, they were great for, for a very long time as a pair. What have you got? Um, you, know uh, you know, if you want to go even further back, you'd probably say Gabor and someone else maybe. Um, could you yeah. say Hubia Honcho? Great combination at the time. <laughs> Not the greatest, pal. Tony Adams, Martin Keane. 
Yeah, definitely worth a shout. John Terry, Terry Carvalho. Yeah, back Carvalho. In. Sorry, I forgot how to say his name. Here's a, here's a question. What about the worst ever uh, Premier oh. League partnership? Tell you what, Bill Jones and Chris Smalling, sometimes they, they have moments of being the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the guy that um, Newcastle signed from Rangers? He was with uh, was he, he was with Titus Brown at the back. He was like famously oh. one of the worst flops. He's like French. Um, Boomsong is that his name? Boomsong, no. yes. Boomsong yeah. was bad. Yeah, it's like him and Titus Brown were, you know, <laughs> rock solid. Um, next... Pretty, he was a good footballer, to be fair to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just didn't have the best time of it up on Old Tyneside, but uh, not a lot of players do. Um, next question is: uh, Tottenham have had a bad defence this season. Who mm-hmm. should they sign for more stability? They've already signed um, a guy called Kevin Wimmer. Wimmer? Yeah. Wimmer. If you want to pronounce it in German. And apparently they're interested in Mark Bartra as well. Well, apparently everyone's interested in Mark Bartra. But for the so. price that he's being billed at. Which is? Uh, which is about nine million, right? I think that's pretty... pretty Rising. Nine yeah. million rising. That's not, it's not too bad. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not too excessive. But I think, yeah, I think, you know... Everyone, it's, the defence was a weakness for Spurs last season. It's one of the areas that needs strengthening. Pretty much every position needs strengthening on the on the field. But I think Vim is a good one. I think if we get someone like Bartra, a young, sort of promising centre-back in, I think, you know, we'll be sorted then. Just as long as we get rid of uh, Eunice Kabul, who was inexplicably made club captain last season. and then uh, Can I throw one player out here right now? Okay, it might not happen. Come on. The Spurs imagine scouts are listening, so you may as well. Jose Font. Imagine him, if Tottenham could get Jose Font, they've got a leader, they've they got be an able experienced to get Premier League player. But you'd say, almost say Southampton are at a similar... Well, level. Next, going into next season, you'd say they're at, they're at a similar level now of what their aims are for next season. So I wonder if Font would jump ship to Spurs. I don't know. It probably doesn't look as um, appealing as it once did. Um, <laughs> next question is James Holleran, who says... Best signing of the window so far, even though the window hasn't technically opened. Who's been the best signing? Do you think? Well, you can't, uh, <laughs> well, it's hard to say, question. isn't it? Um, well, you can you just judge it. You, you obviously can't judge by what they've uh, how they performed at new clubs. But I mean, you know, James Milner on a free transfer. You got to say that's that's a, that's a very good deal for uh, for Liverpool. Who else has been oh. flying about? Hold on, there ain't no Memphis Depay though. Come on, that's the signing. Yeah, of that's, the window that's so exactly far. what I was thinking. But I was just trying to think: is there anything better than Depay? Probably not. You know. Memphis is, you know, they're walking in Memphis is the best. <laughs> yeah, as soon as he was, you know, there were so many clubs chasing him. And then for Man United to just do their business early. And he wasn't, how much was the final price uh, last week? I think it's week? around 30 million euros, maybe. So like 25 to 27 okay. million. It's expensive, but it's not, you know, it's not excessively so. No. Um, uh, on a similar topic, Robert S. Sweet says, which player will have the highest transfer fee? this summer so it looks like David Hay is going to Real Madrid but seeing as his contract's sort of running down the fee's probably not going to be so high uh, you're looking at Paul Pogba who's always linked for the move yeah. he's probably someone who's going to you know command a big fee Raheem Sterling we found out last week that uh, Manchester City made a £30 million bid which Liverpool rejected so he's going to cost around £50 million, £60 million probably if 40, he does move 40 yeah, maybe I think Liverpool are going to hold out for the for the big bucks. But I mean, what do you guys think? Who's going to? Be- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Be the number one. I think 
I think maybe we might see Pogba move towards the end. As we get towards the end of the window, I think that's going to keep going. That's going to be the. That's going to be this this summer's saga, if you will. And uh, yeah. someone's going to fork out the big money, Barcelona, City, or, or otherwise. I don't know if it would happen, but I think players that you're looking at there, you know, if Kevin De Bruyne moves, that's going to be an absolute fortune. If Gareth Bale leaves Real Madrid, you know, Eden Hazard leaves Chelsea, they are really, you know, that's going to cost you an absolute arm and leg. I can see De Bruyne leaving. I can't see Bale and Hazard going anywhere. But I mean, De Bruyne, what what sort of fees are they talking about in the in the press? I think it's forty five. I think forty five yeah. million euros. I think Sterling's gonna he's going to eclipse that, and uh, at least. So either yeah. him, or, him or Pogba is going to be the big ones, I reckon. Um, An interesting one could be Ross, if Ross Barkley does leave Everton. I think he probably needs, maybe yeah. he needs a little bit of, uh, you know, new, 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 some new grass to play on in a way. So well, maybe was, he could be the man. Yeah, there was the, the stories not too long ago, a couple of months back, that City are in from seeing as he's yeah. English, he's young, you know, and they might, he might be easier to prize away from Everton than Sterling would be from Liverpool. But I mean, we'll see, we'll see. Um, the next question is from Adnan Qureshi, my good old Facebook friend. He added me on Facebook. Do, do like him. He seems like a nice guy. Oh, yeah. He's always asking the questions. He's a devoted listener. Um, he says, who can topple this Barcelona side? So I assume we're looking to next season. Wales, any- mate. Wales. Wales. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> do you think anyone, are you thinking any of the other big European teams this season are going to strengthen enough to challenge them for like European honours next season. Wait till you come up against the wall that is Rafa Benitez's Madrid team. Be, yeah, that is going to be interesting huh? to see. That's Very be interesting. I don't know. I feel like um, you know, with those front three there, they're obviously in the peak of their powers. I think you know you're going to see Barcelona dominate for the next couple of years. Really, I can't. I can't quite see. You know, obviously, Barcelona signed Luis Suarez last season, one of the best players in the world. He's improved their side. He's improved their attacking line so much. I can't see another team making a signing like that who's going to have such an impact going into next season. No, but then, but then you're, but then you're thinking of that as in someone's going to go toe to toe. I'm thinking of it as more really? as who's going to kind of who's going to put a stopper to their fun, you know. And that's why I yeah. think you know Benitez or a Mourinho is going to sort of come up against them and tactically <sighs> just that, say, "Go on, then go through us," and then counter on them. What about next season, Champions League final again? Juventus versus Barcelona. You know, Allegri is just going to get stronger. You know, he's already they've already signed Dybala. Tevez looks like he's going to stay. You know, they're probably going to get the likes of Oscar in or someone a really good attacking midfielder. If they sell Pogba, they're going to get a shed load of cash for that. And they can respend on the side. So, so for me, potentially it might be Juventus. You know, you're saying Lawrence then about is who's going to stop their fun? Do you think anyone can? So are you saying to me like? In you know the last season, all the teams that played Barcelona, especially from January onwards, when they were in such incredible form, it was the other teams almost making mistakes. You're saying they didn't tactically do enough to stop that front three, or is the front three just too good and there is no way to stop them when they're firing on all cylinders? Again, it's all based on a system, but the system does play to their strengths, which uh, yeah, I mean, really fits in with Adidas's marketing campaign, which is to cause chaos in the other back line. But there are there are defenders out there that are intelligent. That's maybe why I think, you know, will Benitez be able to stop them with this Madrid team? Because does he have a centre-back pairing intelligent and competent enough to be able to, um, you know, stop those guys? We also have to remember how close this Barcelona... How many points were they off uh, Real Madrid in, in second place in the end? Just two. Mm, that's yeah. not a ridiculous difference. Yeah, no, um, uh, and you know they they both lost uh, a relatively similar number of games, and the two games that um, you know Real Madrid lost were the ones that lost them the league, essentially. Interesting. Um, Rains be Rains and be so I'm wondering whether you know, and this is the problem is you know if Benitez can keep mentality within the squad, which maybe some people feel has eroded most of his title challenges as a manager, then you'd say he's got somewhat of a a good chance of mounting a, a title bit against them. And you know, I'm just I'm I'm also just thinking, you know, you know, what's he learned as a manager while he's not been in that league? And I think a lot of people aren't giving him the credit as a manager that he deserves because maybe they don't like him the way the, the way he's portrayed as a person. They take away from his own, you know, footballing accolades. Yeah, I feel like obviously I don't watch a lot of Syria, so I don't, I can't give you a an in depth discussion of how he got on at Napoli. But yeah, but that did... Napoli side is incredibly politicised. Yeah, and had a lot of, you know. It, Let's let's not put Napoli and Real Madrid in the same bracket of you know quality of player there. They've they've got great quality players, mm. but they also come from a different mentality, a different standpoint. This is Real Madrid we're talking about here. It's true. It's very true. 
Um, so listen, last question, very serious question from Alejo AFC15. He says, who has the best hair? Out of us, out of us three. I, out of us sure. three. Yeah. I'm going to say oh. you, Adam. You have a really clean cut. Although Thanks, you know what, man. Dave looks great on the full time Devil previews right now. Oh yeah, Dave, your hair is your hair is fantastic right now. It's so I'm going to say it's between you two. Well, let me just uh, check I, out this full time Devil's preview and let me give you my, my, <laughs> the, the, the verdict. I'd argue that my hair is too volatile. Oops. You know, some days it has bad days, some days it has good days. So I don't think it could be me. The consistency, it's got to be, it's probably got to be Adam, hasn't it? Because he's got a consistent Dave, Dave, what I need to know is how many successful take ons of your hair do you have a week? <laughs> oh my God, it's loads. You're probably, <laughs> oh, really? okay. you're probably looking at two a day. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. My and God. then Adam, Adam has this consistent. Yeah, if, he, if he was. <laughs> Yeah, if Adam was uglier, you'd say he looked like a Lego man, but he isn't. Um, so let's say Adam for the best hair on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Although in real life, I've got to admit, uh, uh, you know, mine's more striking. It is quite striking. Yeah, it is. You did get you've got, you've got a got comment. Got good barnet, to be fair, mate. Someone yeah. was, um, yeah, actually looks pretty good, Dave. In the latest, in the latest video, I've got to say, you've had a, you've yeah. had a, you've had a fresh trim. Oh, yes. it's, looking, it's looking slick. You've been to your barber, Dave. Let's uh, let's let's share the award between the three. Dave of us. did it for the bloody date, didn't he? Bloody <laughs> oh, hell, yeah. Dave! You don't do anything for the media nowadays. You do it for the bloody women. Oh, it all makes sense now. So, listen, that is all the questions we've got time for this week. Some really so good questions there. Thank you very much for sending them in on Twitter. Um, if you want your question answered for next week, then send it to us at the front free with the number three, not the word, and we will answer it next week. Um, so, listen, we're going to move on to a little bit of transfer news before we move on to the talking points transfer news uh we mentioned it briefly there sterling to city uh city made a 30 million pound million pound bid last week rejected by liverpool who are apparently looking for closer to 50 million do you think this deal is inevitable or are you bored of it now and you just want it to be over and done with it's inevitable inevitable um, are liverpool trying to price someone out of the camp you know, what's Liverpool's game plan here? Because if they wait another season, his price will go down. I think Because he's only got one year left on his contract. I think yeah. they're willing to sell him, but they just, you know, they just want to get as much as out of it as possible. I think 30 million, it's not quite enough to convince them that it's worth. You know, I mean, I reckon they think yeah. they can get I think, 50. yeah, because I still feel like they could, they feel like they could get 20 next year or 25 next yeah, year. Yeah, so... Um, the other transfer news today, well, this week was uh, Sky Sports claiming that Petr Cech had talked on Monday about his future at Chelsea with the goalkeeper apparently interested in a move to Arsenal. That's what we're hearing a lot. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see if that comes up. Uh, Mark He's... Bartra, which we mentioned earlier, um, Tottenham have apparently made an inquiry. He's got an £8.7 million release clause. Um, apparently a lot of other clubs are in for him. One other interesting one this week that I heard was uh, Podolski to Everton. That was a daily oh. star. What do you reckon to that one? Could be a good signing for Everton? Uh, um, no. I mean, let's put it this way. It would be a signing for Everton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, that's one way of putting it. He was um, pretty, pretty rubbish for Inter Milan in the second half of the season. He was awful. He scored like two or three goals in like 19 appearances. I think he's maybe done for him. Everton, though, do have a history of um, making fairly immobile strikers look quite good. Duncan Ferguson, although he was quite mobile. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Um, He's the Polish-German Duncan Ferguson. Yeah, Polish-German. <laughs> nice. Um, the other news is uh, this Falcao to Chelsea rumour. It's ramping yeah. up. Apparently, they've agreed terms with the player. Yeah. And now they're trying to sort out. They want him on loan from Monaco. You want to sell him, so that's the the sort of the stumbling block there. But I mean, ugh, Dave, is this a good move for for Chelsea for Falcao? I mean, were you sad to see him go at the end of last season from Manchester United? Do you think you just never quite Louis how can get the best out of him? Or I think it's it's a good move for Man United to let him go. He didn't work going to Chelsea. Um, you know, he's probably going to be behind Diego Costa, um, but he probably will play a bit. You know, Diego Costa has been injured quite a lot, so he probably would be a good player. He's probably going to score more goals than he did this season because Mourinho can get you know the best out of these players, you know, make them the world beaters they once were. But it's an interesting signing, you know, the likes of um, you know Patrick Bamford in the Chelsea, you know, played for Middlesbrough this season was really good. You know, got Solanke that's coming through. I think it's a wrong move for Chelsea as a football club to bring the young players through. But then again, it's a Mourinho signing. We're going to have one more year of this Radaman Falcao score from goals and win the league. But 
I think it's an alright deal. Not the best deal, but not the worst. Um, what do you think about the uh, rumours going around that Manchester United are looking to sign Jasper Silensen, the Ajax goalkeeper, as a replacement for David De Gea, who still hasn't been confirmed in any way that he's off to Madrid, but everyone seems to have sort of uh, assumed that it's happening sooner rather than later. He's definitely not my favourite goalkeeper in world football. He was all right at the World Cup. You know, good ball-playing goalkeeper. You know, he's taught well. He's 26. But is he really De Gea level? Is he anywhere, anywhere near De Gea? Definitely not, in my not, opinion. Not many goalkeepers are, to be fair. True, but I think that with this next signing of a goalkeeper, we've got to get someone, you know, we've got to go for Peter Cech. We've got to go for, you know, someone like maybe Jan Sommer, I mentioned him before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to go for a solid, solid, solid keeper. We can't go for a keeper that's played in their end of his that's all right that you know is is not anywhere near that world-class level or you know he's not a young goalkeeper looking to make his name in the game he's he's around that age where it's kind of you know what you're going to get from him he's not really going to change so i think it's got to be a big signing really okay fair play fair play um lawrence what are your thoughts on uh, liverpool apparently coming back in for nathaniel klein so sadly, Liverpool didn't renew Glenn Johnson's contract last season. Very sadly. Goodbye, big, sweet prince. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Big gap at right back to feel. Do you think Nathaniel Klein's the man to do it for about £15 million? Uh, Seems like a lot of money, again, to pay for a right back. Uh, but if they're looking to fill that quota, then sure, go for it. Um, he's good. I wonder whether Liverpool are overpaying a lot for players right now uh, because of their nationality. Mm. Um they, I would they rather paid see... a lot for uh, James Milner and uh, Danny Ings, of course. Well, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. You know, do Liverpool have someone else they could bring in there? You know, do they have? Um, you know, could they look at the players that they have youth-wise? I mean, you know, they brought Moreno in to go on the other side of that. Um, Ilori, I believe, was his name. Went oh, yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and hasn't impressed to the extent that you want him to. Um, could they push another centre back out there? But then that doesn't necessarily fit the um, fit the requirements. So they want someone who can attack there. He's young. He's someone who will probably play for a number of years. So um, you know, right now it looks like an educated idea, but it's not the money ball that maybe we want to see Liverpool doing. And it again, it just stinks of there are probably other areas that need to be addressed. But then it was a huge problem for Liverpool last year that they were very um, exposed because it was either Markovic or um, Johnson and neither of them looked particularly defensively solid, which gave people a direct run at Skirtle. So maybe Liverpool need to look at maybe uh, the centre-back pairing of Skirtle as well back in there. Um, that whole back line, basically they need to look at the structure that fits that best. Will Nathaniel Klein fit into that? Most probably. But does it leave Liverpool exposed? Possibly so. So if you're looking at that and you're going to spend 15 million on your right back, maybe you need to be looking at 25 in uh, for, for a central midfielder. But then, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've looked at the system and whether Henderson, Milner, those guys just ahead can combine in some way to sit back and you know whether Brendan Rodgers chooses to overlook the importance of defensive midfield, which will probably help any right back that comes in, is a, is another factor. These are all the, the thing is with Liverpool; these are great signings, but uh, you, you know the, Milner is a good sign, and so is Ings. But they need to come in a context of better signings around them, mm-hmm. and so far those better signings haven't come. Well, speaking of which, how happy would you be if the rumored move for Carlos Tevez comes off? I can't see it happening myself, but that's I'd the be rumor. eight happy. You'd be eight happy out of ten, yeah. or you know, I don't know, 20? man. I'd be eight. Okay, um, eight. okay. I'd be, I like it. be Stephen Gerrard happy. Um, wow. Which means I don't know. Miserable. That yeah, I was going to say that probably misrepresents my happiness. Yeah. Um, the the uh, so I'd be yeah no yeah I'd be very happy with the Carlos Tevez signing. Ooh. But even then, you say that probably represents Ooh. the upper echelons of what Liverpool are going for, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I can't see that in myself. But um, apparently, no, there infinite. are also probably other preferable teams, and you also think Liverpool want to build for the long term and Carlos Tevez is not long term he'll be going back to South America at some point Mm. he very often agitates for a move and if he's not happy at Juve who are in the Champions League winning very close to a treble last year then you know what else is there Dave what have you got on uh, Firmino the uh, the actually Firmino he's not got an H sorry this is like when I said the MLS last week isn't it so sorry Firmino uh, the Hoffenheim forward uh, Dave, a lot of talk about Manchester United being in for him. Yeah, well, he's, a, he's a good player. Whenever you know we've seen him play for Hoffenheim this season, I remember one game in the uh, the German Cup against Borussia Dortmund. He scored a fantastic chip. He's a player that um, you know will get you goals, will get you assists. 
Um, I think no other midfielder in the Bundesliga has um, has been involved in more goals than him over the past two years. I think he's been involved in 44 goals. Um, so he's a very, very good player. He's composed. He, he's got a good trick in him. He's quite good on the counter-attack as well, something that United have lacked this season. So, you know, he's a good player. He likes to take people on. You know, he likes to beat his man with the ball at his feet. He's just an attacker that's quite nice. And I'm looking forward to watch him um, a bit more in the Copper America, to be quite honest. Obviously, he didn't start the opening game, but I reckon he'll come in. And yeah, it's an exciting signing for Man United. You know, a Brazilian lad coming to Man United. You know, it's like the Ronaldinho one that never went through. It's just going to be good. It's going to be fun. Brazilians are always fun to watch. Speaking of Brazilians, uh, the other bit of, well, the last bit of transfer news is that um, Barcelona striker Neymar is set to extend his contract at the new camp until 2020. He's going to earn a tidy 12 million euros a year with a new buyout clause of a... (laughs) It's, it's pretty big. Uh, 250 million euros, apparently, is his, his buyout clause now. Uh, do you think he's earned that, Lawrence, this season? One day, that won't seem like a very ridiculous buyout clause, will it? Yeah. One, do you reckon that one day someone's going to get bought for 250 million euros? That's going to happen. If the bubble doesn't burst, then yes, Adam. Oh, I think the bubble will the burst. The bubble will probably burst just as someone spends 250 million on it. So, um, yeah, uh, buyout clauses don't really mean very much. They basically mean look, like, he's not going to get bought. Yes. Um, has he earned it? <sighs> you know, I, I don't care. <laughs> Excellent answer, and that brings an end to. Wait, the wait, wait a minute! Wait, wait, wait! I've got, I've got some transfer news. <laughs> oh, go on. Is this oh. something you've heard, or is this just you know? Well, uh, no. I mean, this is more transfers of uh, electronic data to your said gaming console, Adam. The excitement this year of FIFA is launching literally at the time that we record this podcast. Yes, come on, come E3, on. they're screening the brand new FIFA 16 and, uh, trailer, which features another Brazilian. Um, you, you basically have what? Pele in the, uh, in the in said trailer. So whilst everyone else is being painted by a political brush, uh, Pele decides to step away from those lights. Um, there is apparently a difference that, that basically they, uh, their, their line this year is play beautiful, which is fair enough. I think that's rather fantastic. Um, that Basically, they have a new defensive system. They have something called defensive agility. You can defend as a unit, which you'd argue has not happened very much in the previous FIFAs sometimes. Um, and they're just oh. basically looking at the fundamentals of apparently what is going on uh it, it does seem like a lot of cliche but uh we, i would be interested to hear what people think about the difference in fifa i've seen the pro evo trailer it looks awful mm, yeah it didn't look great did it um no it looked like they'd literally just invented the game i'm a, I'm a big fifa guy but i can't i'm watching the trailer as we speak lawrence and it just looks the same as the last games yeah but you've got to admit adam it's, it's not to do with the look if you know if we'd learned no. anything yeah, but I mean the uh, the mechanics of it, you know, the the animations, and it doesn't look any different. You know what I mean? It just looks like yeah. the same same game as always. I mean, I don't really like this FIFA right now, but I, you know, I'm, I, when I say I don't like it, I mean I like it. It's it's, it's obviously a good game, but it's yeah. just maybe I find it different to the older games that I liked in a different way. I'm a big fan of the way they've put um, women's national teams in the game. I'm not yeah, such a big, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the uh, the jokes that are going around on Twitter. Have you seen the jokes? The No, what, what jokes? The uninspired kitchen jokes and the like, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, everyone, you, you can't really make excuses for those. You, you just have to, you know, in fact, you don't ignore it, you engage with it, time to go away. I tell you, I'm happy they've got Harry Kane's face in FIFA, uh, FIFA 16 by the looks of it. That's, that's big news. Um, okay, so let's move on to the talking points to wrap it all up. Dave, you're up first. What do you want to talk about this week? What's your talking point? I think this week is the Copper America. And it's. I was so excited pre tournament, but it's really just not got going yet. Um, you know, the, the two teams we, met, we mentioned to be probably favourites, you know, Brazil and Argentina. Both of them had a very poor opening game. Argentina really did, really took control of their game. They were 2-0 up in the first half, and they really let it slip. They were exposed on the counter-attack. They were throwing too many men forward when they were winning. The blend isn't right. I think that Tevez has got to come in there. Aguero's got to go out. And then Brazil yesterday was quite boring, and all we get from that is a Neymar you know, reel of him doing skills and him being pretty, pretty awesome. But if you actually watch the game, it was a bit different. I think both Tata, Martino and Dunga have massive questions to answer. I think they're both set up in a pretty poor way. Argentina had no real balance, had no real you know, workhorse in their side. 
Um, you know, Benet looked pretty good. Messi looked all right. But I don't think there's, you know, the Tevez aspect of it. He really needs to come in. He really needs to be that force. I just don't think the back fours, you know, is good with, you know, they're leaving the centre-backs too, too exposed on the counter-attack. And then you go to Brazil. You know, they, they were really boring. They looked quite good in the transition, but when they had the ball in the opposition's half, they were just awful. Fernandinho and Elise were just awful. You know, Neymar was trying too much. He was trying to, to beat everyone. And I just think there's a, there's a lot of big questions. Or the likes of Chile, the likes of, um, you know, Uruguay might come out of this tournament as champions. Do you think it's who settles quicker then? Because at the moment, I, w- I was saying on another thing today, it looks like, um, basically, it looks like the FA Cup a little bit. Some of these teams play up and some people maybe not realising the level they're playing and maybe that's Brazil and uh, Argentina so far Definitely and I think that they need to get the selection right, you know, Dunga, Tar- Diego Tardelli, I don't understand why he's in the squad I don't understand why he started, I think he's absolutely awful, I think Neymar would work better on the left hand side, I think Firmino would, should come in centrally, potentially having a really fluid two of maybe Firmino and William as the two strikers and then Neymar coming in, you know, from the left hand side and potentially Douglas Costa from the other I just think the system is completely all wrong right now and Dunga's got to address that. It really has. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how long is it? When's the Copa America wrapping up? When, when's the final? You know? um, the final of the Copa America. I think, obviously, it's just kicked off pretty much. We're having our opening group game. Yeah. So I think the final will be around the end of this month. It's weird. I didn't realise. That... Is it the 4th of July? Yes, the 4th of July. Not the end of this month, the start of the next month. Cheers, Lawrence. But it's going to be, no I think it's really going to start to get hot when we get to the, you know, the semi finals. That's when everyone's got to get engaged. Everyone's it's, got to start watching it. It's a, shame. a bold prediction there from Dave. It's going to get, get hot. good when the shitty teams are gone. Yes, Dave. <laughs> it's a shame that it's on the same time as the Women's World Cup and the Euro under 21s. It's also a shame yeah, they're all on at the same time. Although, yeah, and, and the Gold Cup. Yeah. Another rant. There you go. Why is it not on the telly? Why is it not on the telly? Why am I searching the internet for like YouTube channels or dodgy streams? Why is it not on style BT? What are you doing in your own time, Dave? It's not Premier Sports or something. Dave, one, one, one tab on Red Tube, the other tab. Uh, <laughs> that's, I'm a committed that's football fan. Spurious uh, lies and slander there, Lawrence. Um, <laughs> so let's come to your talking point and quickly move away from that. And uh, what, what do you want to talk about this week, Lawrence? What am I going to talk about? Um, the quotes from Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez is obviously back in the Argentina squad, but there are a lot of people talking about the significance of uh, this player. Um, the talismanic-esque, the talismanic-esque player, if that's what you want to call it, um, being part of this squad. And the fact that just a few years ago, he fell out of love with the game, wanted to go play golf for a little while, wanted to get away from City. And what I guess I thought about that, because I've been thinking a lot about the thought process of how people work this week. Um, And, you know, whether you can, basically what makes a player world-class um, in inverted commas, on a consistent basis. And I'd love to hear what other people think about this in the comments, but how you can consistently cultivate a mentality which allows you to not only win things, be motivated to win things, and consistently play at a high level and keep your body at a very high level. I think it's harder than a lot of people um, probably think, especially when you're younger, you know, you believe you're somewhat invincible. You have mm. somewhat, um, you know, you have this physical prowess that maybe you think comes naturally. But then when players, you know, even Ronaldo, now he's hitting 30, it's going to be a different kind of um, maintenance program that he keeps. And I think it's understanding that. It's really interesting. I just love, I love to, you know, especially when it comes to transfers and things, we tend to project our own thoughts onto football players who probably see it from a very different and personal point of view. And what I'd urge people to think about here would be you know if, if you've got a player leaving don't just think try to take yourself out of your own experience and put it in someone else's and you'll probably get a much richer deeper experience out of um what you see footballing wise and maybe you'll get some different lessons i don't know i'm always interested and i think it's a good point you're saying about the mental aspect of it yeah. you know when so when teams win like three championships in a row or whatever and you know we automatically assume oh they're just amazing and they can keep it going but like you say it's that mental aspect they're not they don't have the same motivation after winning three years in a row or whatever to continue it on and I think that's why you see players like Messi and Ronaldo they sort of have these these peaks and troughs almost so you saw Messi won four Ballon d'Ors in a, in a row no fault of his own but the motivation that you know, will to win was probably not as strong as it was after he's won all those awards. 
Ronaldo comes back two years in a row, wins them. Now, you know, Messi had a, a poor season last year. You're seeing this year that determination, that hunger has come back. So it's interesting to look at that sort of mental well, aspect of it. Do you know what I mean? But I think that's that's what makes it, and I think that's sometimes why I, you know I'm, I would shy away from calling Messi incredible every year. Obviously, his achievements are great, but I do think, and this was a great tweet I saw not long ago. I think it was Musa Kongo said, um, "Messi is great not because he does great things, but because he defies what you necessarily think of as great, and almost creates a different uh, context for that." And you know there. Are great players in the past that have done that. Michael Jordan, uh, Pele, probably Maradona, people who thought outside of the constrictions of that. And I guess that now we have an incredible system and a lot of different views. And we see that kind of clashing every day in the comments below our podcast and the comments below every podcast out there, a YouTube channel, all those kind of things. And a lot of people now are encouraged to think from very limited perspectives of, you know, what does it mean for your FIFA squad? What does it mean for your team? All those kind of things. And sometimes they're not encouraged to think outside of maybe the normal parameters or cliche parameters of football. But when it comes to these things, we've got more tools than we've ever had before that we can now. And, you know, Dave's part of that with, you know, statistics and those kind of things. But I'd just love to know how that affects the players themselves and how players motivate and continually um, sort of see their own lives. Because even with Sterling, you sort of you look at him and, you, and people are sort of like, well, he's being selfish or whatever it is. That in itself is a, a brilliant microcosm for um, uh, basically the way that people project their own thoughts and feelings onto mm. people they don't even know on a daily basis. And I guess there's yeah. just a lot of lesson in that. You know? the, the classic one from last season was when... Um... Raheem Sterling was tired. Do you remember that whole thing? Yeah. And everyone was like, how can he be tired? He gets paid 200 grand a week as if that would have an impact upon his physical condition. You know, people get tired if you're you're running around seven days a week or whatever. It, yeah. It, it does affect you, do you know what I mean? But whereas but like you're saying people... It's all relative. It's all relative. You know, you can't, like, there are probably people People are starving in the world. They said, how can you be tired? You know, how could you be tired? You just record a podcast, uh, you know, like once or twice a week. Exactly, and you yeah, claim yeah. to be tired, Adam. I am quite What's tired. wrong with you? Terrible, isn't it? Um, so selfish. I know. Just, I'm sorry, everyone. Um, so listen, my talking point is far less interesting, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say. But I just wanted to know what you thought. We, in the game on the weekend, we saw... Um, potentially one of the best England goals. Uh, Gary Lineker seems to think he's in the top 10 ever. Uh, Jack Wilshere's second goal um, is a lovely little flick from Milana, I think, which set Wilshere up. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. absolutely banged it into the top left corner. Amazing finish. So I wanted to know, what is the best ever England goal that you've seen or that you, you know, remember seeing? So for me, it was Paul Gascoigne v Scotland back in uh, Euro 96. Uh, David Seaman, watching it again, it's a lot less refined than I thought it was. Uh, David Seaman boots it out of the pitch. There's a knockdown header. Uh, so, <laughs> someone knocked it out. One. But yeah, there's five touches in all, including Gaza's one flick over uh, Colin Hendry and one to you know smash it in the corner. So it's five route one, five touches. But I still think that was the best. That's one of the best goals I've seen in terms of the quality, but also how happy. Uh, you were after it went in so I'm wondering if there's anything like that that you've seen England score Michael Owen against yeah. oh, Argentina the classic one where he burst onto the scene yeah David Beckham's free kick the, against the, Greece yeah that was a bit of a bang that goal. was a great goal as well ah, it's tough isn't it I'm trying to think of other ones there's, there's, there was one that was just dead, um, like memorable for me. I think was it Emil Heskey or someone that scored the fifth goal against Germany oh, in that yeah. game where we just hammered them. It was just just sort of jumps out to me that you know it was a pretty standard goal, but five goals against Germany. Fifth. That was yeah. a that was a big game for uh, thing. <laughs> people were going mental when we won that one. It was it was it wasn't even a qualifier or anything, was it? Was it a friendly? I think it was, it was a friendly. Yeah. Yeah. My God. There you go. We took it a little bit far, that one. Um, There's got to be some other ones as well, though. I'm still trying to think. I mean, I'd love to see suggestions in the comments. Jack Wilson's obviously... Yeah, the thing was, I was thinking one. England don't usually score amazing goals. We score, you know, decent goals. But every now and then, you know, we have these, you know, these incredible uh, net rippers like Jack what about? Oh, what about that one? There's one that Joe Cole scored a few years ago. Oh, against Sweden. Oh, yeah. Is it Sweden? The World Cup. I think it was Sweden. Yeah. It was the the volley, the corner. It, it got knocked out to him. He was on the edge of the box. One touch, I think, and then he, he 
one touch to control it. it, one touch to smash it in. That was incredible, actually. Now you come to think of it. Actually, England have scored some pretty good goals. They have scored you know, there have been some pretty talented players that. I mean, if you go back, it really go back in the day. And I think I only really remember this because I'm a Liverpool fan. But John Barnes scored some cracking goals for England. John Barnes. See, this is what I'm saying. This is before my time. I was thinking like, oh, you know, when I was young, you know, what was the best goal I ever scored? Well, Shearer, Lineker, Platt. Well, oh, yeah. The one against Holland was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. In the Euro- that's Euro 96 as well, wasn't it? That, that was just about when I was beginning to remember goals. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? So 96, I was, how old was I? My name's John Barnes. When I score a goal, the crowd goes, bananas. I was like, that's <laughs> right. But yeah, I was eight when Euro 96 was on. That was the one. When all those goals flying in, Sheringham and Shearer, the SAS up front, Gascoigne. Oh man, those are the days, eh? Those are the days. I broke my nose the day that Paul Gascoigne scored that goal. Yeah. How'd you do that? Someone punch you? Uh, no, I ran into I, a clash of heads, Adam. Oh, clash classic. Classic. Oh, one yeah. a, a memorable goal that never was the Lampard goal in the last was it the World oh, Cup. Oh, oh yeah. Don't Great point, Dave. Don't talk to me yeah, about it. That was it. a goal, wasn't it? It's what, that won us the world. Yeah, Cup. it was actually a goal. <laughs> what about the, um, <laughs> on a similar theme, it was all, it was just over a year ago today that, uh, I don't know, you know the opening game of the uh, the World Cup, Italy, yeah. England, during when Sterling had that long shot <laughs> oh, the first yeah. couple of minutes. <laughs> and then <laughs> I was watching it in a, in a pub and people went mental. People like jumping up and down, like hugging each other. And we didn't realise until a full minute later that it hadn't actually gone in. Everyone, thought, <laughs> everyone was going crazy. And I actually, yeah, smashed my glasses that night because of that. So thanks, Raheem, for not scoring. Um, anyway, <laughs> listen. 50 mil. Let's, yeah, there you go. Couldn't even get it in. Uh, let's wrap it up there because we, we, we're over an hour mark now. Um, so I think people have probably had enough of us. But um, thank you very much for listening once again to The Front Free. Thank you for all of your questions. Uh, you can get more info next week on Twitter at The Front Free. I won't actually be here next week because I'm going to be on holiday in, uh, in sunny Barcelona, I'm afraid to say. So um, Lawrence and Dave are going to have to find uh, uh, you're going to have to find someone to fill in for me. And I look forward to listening to it on Wednesday on the plane back. I can listen to the front three, which I'm sure is going to be a fantastic experience. Um, but until then, <laughs> until then, Lawrence, where can the good people find more of your work? Uh, go to lostcast.com, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T, and see it all there. And Dave, where can everyone else find you? Get on Twitter, Squawker Dave, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A, Dave. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's in my uh, bio. I'm doing a video this week, uh, like a scout report on Kevin De Bruyne. So watch out for that. I like that a lot. Do you remember when, I, su- do you remember when I suggested you did scout reports, Dave? You did, you know, top stuff. And I think I'm going to compliment it. <laughs> you did. You, you now own 10% of my <laughs> YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Well played. Well played, lad. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood. And you can also check out the new YouTube channel I'm helping to run called The Football Republic. Lawrence, you hosted a good video on there the other day. I thought it was a pretty top channel, notch. Channel, yeah. Pretty top notch. I think Lawrence and Dave are going to be on there in the future. So you can you can watch out for them there. Um, but until next time, um, I won't see you next week. But these guys will see you next week. And um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Yeah, cheers, guys.